She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 2. Episode 2. The Host. In this episode, when Mulder is assigned to cover the murder of a man found in a sewer, he thinks Skinner is punishing him. But when another attack happens in the sewer, he starts to suspect something unnatural may be in the water. With Scully's help, they try and track down the source of the attacks before it's too late. Ugh, sewers, gross. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. Yeah, I remember there's an episode of Freakazoid about the sewer. It's a, like the whole joke is it's like, poo gas! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he actually says that a lot. I feel like that comes up a lot in Freakazoid. <laughs> Which, by the way, I yeah. loved Freakazoid. Oh. Yeah, the cats haven't helped me out at all with the walking on the keyboard action, but, you know. Yeah, I know. Of all the ways to get superpowers, you think we would have <laughs> nailed that one by now. Yeah, think. This episode was written by Chris Carter and directed by Daniel Sackheim. It was filmed at the Iona Island Sewage Treatment Plant in Richmond and at the Portman Hydro Substation in Surrey, as well as Vancouver, British Columbia, of course. Its original air date was Friday, September 23rd, 1994. And it had a viewership of 15.9 million in the United States, which is down slightly from last week's 16.1 million. Nice. I mean, not nice that it's down, but it's still pretty solid. So we're in the Atlantic Ocean, two miles off the coast of New Jersey. And we see this freighter going through some choppy waters. And there's a man on the ship. And it's all like, it's almost like they're in a submarine sort of, because it's all like that cramped quarters and everyone's all sweaty and it's dark Mm -hmm. and there's red lights and all that kind of stuff. And he's walking through a hall and notices some water kind of like dripping out of a door, like a hatch. And so he opens the door and it's the bathroom and there's like water just coming out of the toilet, just all over the floor. So he's like, oh, and then we cut to the engine room and a guy answers the phone, which I'm not sure how he could hear it because the engine room is loud. It sounds like they're building the ship in the engine room, basically. Mm -hmm. But he picks up the phone and he says engine room and then he listens and then he hangs up the phone. And so then he goes and finds a mechanic whose name is Dmitri. And we find out this is like a Russian ship. Everyone is speaking Russian and we got subtitles of what they're saying. And he finds Dmitri and tells him he has to go and clog the toilet. And so that call was obviously the guy who discovered the toilet problem. And Dmitri argues about why it's always his job. And apparently it's his job because he's young and the job is terrible, smelly work. So, (laughs) yay. I guess that's the pecking order on the ship. So he opens the tank that holds. It's kind of like the tank is like actually like a room. because he's taking like a panel off. It's like at eye level and opens up. And then we see like there's all this water in there. And there's the little ladder on the side of the wall. So he climbs in there using the ladder. He's got a flashlight to see what the problem is. And he sees some plumbing over by the side. And then something reaches up and grabs him and pulls him into the water. And like his foot is kind of like hung on the ladder. And that's the only reason why he didn't actually like fly into the tank. And so the other men run over and they grab him and they're trying to pull him and pull him. But then, boom, he just like whatever's got him, pulls him into the tank and he disappears. And then one of the guys, the one who made him do the job and answered the phone earlier was like, flush the tanks, flush the tanks. And we see the water all gurgling inside and theme song, X-Files, X-Files, <laughs> X-Files. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get a reason for this, but I'm kind of wondering why a Russian ship is only two miles off the coast of New Jersey, but okay. 
I mean, it's open water, maritime law. It's not United States territory. <laughs> Actually, two miles okay. out, it might be. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't. I didn't even realize it was that close to New Jersey, even though I wrote, <laughs> I wrote the two miles off the coast of New Jersey. Like, I don't know. It didn't occur to me that it was. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So then we're at the Longstreet Motel in Washington, D.C., and we see the note that this is federal wiretap number 5A21147, which is the same wiretap as the previous episode. Mm. And we see Mulder, and he's listening to the wiretap, and he's eating sunflower seeds, and he's clearly bored to tears. And an agent opens the door and tells him he's being relieved, and another agent's going to take over, and Mulder has a flight to catch. So the other agent like comes into the room, and... Mulder's like, where am I going? And he's told there's this murder case in New Jersey. And so Mulder hands the new agent a bag of sunflower seeds and he says, treat yourself, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And then he follows the first agent out of the room. He's told he'll be working with Detective Norman. And apparently Skinner is the one who made this request. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Mulder's still working on the exact same case he was working on in the last episode, which no wonder he looks absolutely bored and dejected like he looks miserable yeah i kind of thought it might have been possible it was actually like the same shift from the like you know he started this shift at the end of little green man and maybe this was the same shift but he's wearing a different tie yeah so So he's been just stuck there for days still doing the same thing that would drive me crazy but Mulder is a slob oh my god Mulder is so gross there's like uneaten noodles and there's sasha cans from like soda all over the place and sunflower seeds everywhere it's like dude like i get you don't like your job but like that's still like your work area and like your other agents have to come and work in that area and you're gross it's disgusting i know get a trash can and like some clean wipes and wipe up after yourself yeah and just like don't leave your styrofoam cups (laughs) tipped over everywhere like if you want to play like you know sunflower seed football with them that's fine but like don't just leave cans tipped over all the place and like half-eaten noodles hanging out of the container and just disgusting yeah it's pretty gross so although on the plus side they're not talking about strip clubs on the wiretap anymore so there is that <laughs> Woohoo! So. variety Mulder still looks <laughs> yeah. like he'd rather like shove an ice pick in his ear than listen to more <laughs> of it but yeah yeah so we're in newark new jersey and it is i'm guessing the next oh, i don't know if it's the next day or not because it seems like Mulder's doing like graveyard duty most of the time but anyway this is daytime and he shows up he flashes his badge and introduces him to the detective on site who tells him the CSI team is just wrapping up and they left the body where they found it and they pull up a big thing of rubber boots. So Mulder puts on some rubber boots and all the agents put on rubber boots and they go down into the sewer, which smells gross. And there's the body and it's in pretty bad shape. And the agent tells him the front half has been eaten away. And he asked if he wants Mulder to turn it over. And he's like, no. <laughs> and he starts walking away. And he's like, well, what are we supposed to do with this? And he's like, send it to the FBI in care of assistant director Walter Skinner. And he is pissed. He is not happy. It's not just like it's a sewer and it's smelly. He is like obviously pissed off that he's been given this detail. So Yeah, no, he's not. Ha- he's not even taking it seriously. Like he looks at the body and he's like, okay, I'm done now. Like he yeah. immediately walks in and thinks this is I'm being punished i'm being set up like he absolutely thinks that and he's mad yeah and the body is kind of all decomposed but it kind of looks like dimitri sure maybe we'll find out yeah that's what i thought it was supposed to be but yeah the haircut's kind of the same and everything so yeah yeah. 
So back at FBI headquarters, Mulder waits outside Skinner's office and he keeps checking his watch. The door opens and we can see that Skinner is actually inside the office, but the receptionist comes out and like shuts the door quickly behind her and she says he's unavailable. So Mulder demands to see him again and like he's really loud and like Skinner opens the door and he asks if there's a problem and Mulder says there is and he wants to know why he's being punished, being sent to the sewer and from one pointless assignment to the next. So Skinner's like, well, come into, you know, he has him come into the office and it turns out there's this whole table of people in the office at this like conference table. And in front of all of them, he asks him to explain why he thinks his newest assignment is a waste of time. And Mulder says it looks like a drug land body dump. It's not an FBI case. And Skinner tells him he's the one who gets to decide what is or is not a waste of the FBI's time. Skinner reminds him that the X-Files are closed and says he's anticipating Mulder's report on this homicide. Yeah, he got busted. Oh. Skinner set him up hard. Like, Skinner may or may not be punishing him, but Skinner set him up. Like, come on inside. Tell me what your problem is, knowing there's, like, a whole range of, we're assuming, like, high-level people, like, at the table. Right, exactly. So, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. And Mulder realized that. Mulder walks in, he's like, oh. Like, he, like, as soon as he sees the people at the table, he knows he's messed up. He does. But he still, he doesn't drop it, though. Like, he does no. still go hard on it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I shouldn't say things like Mulder goes hard. Like that's just someone's going to take that and use that in a different way. (laughs) So Mulder sits outside and he's looking at the Washington Monument and Scully appears. She heard what happened in Skinner's office. And Mulder says it's hard to keep smiling when they ask you to bend over and grab your ankles. He tells her he's actually thinking about leaving the FBI so he can continue his investigations into the paranormal. Because obviously listening to wiretaps and going to body dumps is not really what he signed up for. And Scully suggests he could transfer to Quantico and go back to the behavioral sciences unit. But then Mulder's like, well, they don't want us working together. And that's the only reason he can think of that he should stay because clearly they don't want him to work with her. So like, like he could be defiant. And, he loves her. <laughs> and so Scully asks about his current murder case. And he's like, well, the body was sent to the FBI's forensics lab. And she's like, well, I could do the autopsy. And Mulder's like, there's nothing to this case. Like, this is just a body dump. It's pointless. It's just a punishment. And Scully's like, well, there's a body, isn't there? Yeah, true. I mean, it is It is a dead person, which, I mean, you would want to find out why they were killed. So Yeah, I mean, at least it's something. Just if you want to <laughs> find, if you want to do justice. so Which we know Scully does. <laughs> yeah. So I do have to say two things. I wonder if, like, one of them flipped over one of the other's pictures to meet at the Washington Monument, or if that was just, like, convenient, because we know that's how they meet. And then also when she was like, well, what would you do? Like you're talking about if you quit. I was like, you could go work with the lone gunmen at their newspaper. But yeah, Yeah, I mean, the job is right there. And then you can investigate the paranormal with three people who are. And get paid for it. Yeah. We we assume. Well, (laughs) that might be a stretch. (laughs) I doubt the lone gunman is breaking it. Although I don't know. There's a huge audience for that kind of thing. So yeah, well, we assume they're doing it. I mean, unless they're like all trust fund, like adults that. You know, they're getting some kind of income from it, or how are they paying for yeah. doing that? And then obviously living. Yeah, it probably does make live. decent money. It's probably got a pretty good readership. Yeah. So Scully is at the forensic science lab. So I don't know if this is like later in the day or if this is the next day, but she opens the body bag and apparently it reeks, which imagine it would because it's an old body and it was in the sewer. Mm-hmm. And she starts doing the autopsy. And so she's, you know, describing everything into the recorder, doing all the body stuff that you do with dead stuff and it's severely decomposed and it's like the skin has like a lot of like 
gross stuff on it that you would expect to, if it was like living in a high bacteria environment. She knows there's a tattoo on the arm that might be able to use to identify the victim. And then she like takes off the ribs chunk, 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 and there's a nice little, we get a nice overhead shot of this body with like, it's basically front of its chest missing, like almost like um, she's going to be playing operation mm-hmm. and we can see all of its internal organs. And so she's talking about like, everything looks fine. As far as she knows, the dude was probably moderately an alcoholic. And then she's looking and then this little thing goes and she's like, ah! and it, there's a worm inside from behind the liver and so she grabs some tongs to pull it out mm-hmm. and my thought was like given ice i would have lost my shit right there yeah i didn't make that connection but it's very <laughs> similar with the tongs and when she was pulling the little worm out mm-hmm. like yeah yeah and just like a body with something wriggling around inside of it i would have completely lost my mind Ugh. yeah and also it's very weird because later in the episode Ice does not come up at all. You think at least one of them would be like worms and like, you know, some kind of like reference to like the worms and ice, but never. Yeah, that is weird. I've noticed that happens on TV a lot where like you would expect characters to refer back to something because you, Mm -hmm. but it just for some reason, I I don't, it doesn't, they never mention it. And it's just weird to me. I think it's just because how dialogue is maybe written for the episode and they're not trying to call back very much, but I love callbacks. I wish they would do more of that. Well, and also maybe because different, writers yeah although chris chris carter although, well, I, think did chris, both. I think he wrote did ice Car- did, did he write ice i don't, I don't remember, remember now. either now i'm looking now i'm looking too <laughs> we're both like wait who wrote ice stop the presses who wrote ice very important information um, that we should know no it was written by glenn morgan and james wong yeah he didn't even direct it. Although, I mean, he's like the main. Yeah, I mean, guy he knows ice the... happened. It's like he knows that episode exists. It's not like we had some <laughs> other writer who was like, oh, "I'd never seen that episode." So, yeah, seeing Chris Carter is your dialogue dude too. He should have got anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But given the tattoo and the autopsy findings about like you know because you know Russian stereotype, he's possibly alcoholic. I'm guessing that probably was Dimitri. We will probably find out. But if it was, like, how did he get in the sewer? So I'm guessing they flushed the tank. You know, they we saw them kind of flush the tank, but I'm guessing he got swept out to sea, and it's, I don't know how he would have gotten. So is this flushing the tank mean just dump it all in the ocean? I guess maybe. Yeah, I guess possibly, so. But, but still, I mean, it's two miles, but I guess. Yeah, whatever. I don't know either. That's that's a bit that's of a weird. stretch. Anyway, how does it get into the sewer instead of just like showing up like on the beach or right? Something? Yeah, but. I don't know. Okay, TV. So in Newark, New Jersey, sanitation workers descend into a sewer. One goes into the water and he like finds a branch stuck on a grate and the grate has this huge hole in it. So his coworker is like, well, I'll get more bailing so we can fix the hole in the grate. And the first guy in the water removes the branch and then something grabs him. And his coworker rushes back and tries to dangle a rope for the guy to grab and he gets a hold of it and he manages to pull himself up, but he's injured badly and his back is like torn open. Yeah, so then we cut to Middlesex County Hospital in Sayreville, New Jersey. And a doctor is examining the sanitation worker who was attacked. And she tells him that she'll get him a tetanus booster just to be safe. And he says what he really wants is the horrible taste out of his mouth. And so she's like, well, let me see. So she looks in his mouth and he's like, well, everything seems okay. And she's like, it'll go away and hands him a stick of gum. And I'm like, ooh, awesome bedside manner. (laughs) So then Mulder arrives and there's like a there's like a like a two-way office kind of thing. Like there's like an outer room, they have a bunch of medicine. It's a weird setup. Anyway, so Mulder comes in that door, the doctor's going out that door. She's like, Oh, why is the FBI 
interested in this? And he's like, well, there was a worker who was attacked by something in the sewer and we have a case where someone was in the sewer and they're dead. So we thought, you know, maybe she's like, oh, well, at first I thought this was possibly like a bogus worker comp claim, but he is telling the truth. Something did happen. And she's like, we gave him antibiotics and he has like a huge, strange wound on his back, which might be a bacterial infection, but I'm not sure. I've never seen the likes of it before. So they go back into the room because while she's talking to Mulder, she's like injecting this big needle full of stuff. And then they go back in the room and she gives the guy the shot. Boom. Which I guess is the antibiotics that she said she already gave him. I think it's the tetanus booster. Oh, it's probably the tetanus booster. Yep. Okay. And then Mulder asks the worker if he knows what attacked him. And he says it might have been a python or something. And they both kind of look. And he's like, hey, you know, we found an alligator a couple years ago. And it's like, whatever it was, it was like super strong. And the doctor walks around in the back and she pulls the bandage off and it's all bloody. And she's like, oh, I agree. This could be a bite. (laughs) And the wound has like a mark in the center. And then it has like four on the outside of it. It actually kind of forms an X because maybe it's an X file anyway <laughs> so scully calls meanwhile and so Mulder pulls out his phone and tells Mulder that she found a parasite in that john doe body from the sewer and he's like okay well i'll be back in an hour i gotta catch like i guess there's a shuttle that goes from new york to dc and so he says he'll be back in an hour puts his phone away goes over to talk to the guy and the guy's like can i just go home and then his phone rings again he's like oh sorry and so he answers the phone and it's someone who's like mr Mulder. i just want you to know you have a friend at the fbi and he hangs up so we don't know who that spooky guy is. Although I have an idea, but if it's who I think it is based on the voice, the actor who has that voice is not the person who filmed that scene. But that's all I am saying. Huh. So I know who it is, but I won't say anything. Yeah, I think I know who it is too because I know that voice. So I mean, I just know who the character is. Because I watched 21 Jump Street. Oh. Oops, said too much. So anyway, I would suggest that maybe they go to a different doctor because that is definitely not an, like a bacterial infection. So, and the fact that like, oh yeah, it could be a bite. There's like huge (laughs) punctures in the dude's back. Yeah. Well, she might just think that something punctured him and then like it's infected. Yeah. But you're right. It's, (laughs) I would not go to that doctor. I mean, I would, but I would go to someone else. Although maybe she's not a real doctor because that's Mrs. Budahas. Is it? It's the actress who played Mrs. Budahas (gasps) in Deep Throat. Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't even notice. Yeah, her hairstyle, I didn't notice either. I, I read that it was. It was like, oh, because I saw that like she's returning. I'm like, I don't remember a doctor in Deep Throat. Because the way it was worded, it sounded like that she plays the doctor and is returning from, from Deep Throat. And so I was like, I don't remember a doctor. So I was going through and looking at the cast list. And that's the name that goes with Mrs. Budahas. I need a Budahas. Okay, so, so. clearly Miss Budahas divorced her husband, got a... Because he was weird. Got a medical degree very quickly. <laughs> In like a year, maybe she already had, maybe she'd already had him and gave up like her doctor practice to, you know, be a housewife. And like, she's moved to DC now and Mulder doesn't recognize her because she's using her maiden name. Oh, maybe. <laughs> or because the government obviously got to the Buddha Hosses, right? Because at the end, she doesn't want anything to do with them. And now she's working for the government Ooh. to cover up what's happening right now. Ooh, that's a good theory. Yeah. So then we're at the FBI National Academy in Quantico, Virginia, and Mulder arrives and Scully tells him to close the door. She hands him a jar with the worms. This made me think of ice because this is pretty similar. Yeah. And she tells him it's a fluke or a flatworm. And it was attached to the bile duct of the victim and feeding off the dead man's liver. 
And so Mulder asks if she's going to tell him horror stories about sushi. And she's like, actually, you don't want to hear about what you can catch from a rare steak. Uh, but flukeworms are usually found in unsanitary conditions. It's likely the man caught it in the sewer. So she doesn't know whether the parasite attached before or after death, but there's no other discernible cause of death. Flukeworms usually attach with a scolex, which is a sucker-like mouth with four hooking spikes. Mm. Mulder shows her... Th- yeah. Ooh. Mm. So Mulder shows her the photo of the sanitation worker's wound, and she says the worms... Like, that does kind of look like a scolex wound, but the worms are way too small for that size. Like... There's yeah, way and that is that photo is not the same wound that the dude had. It is like way advanced. <laughs> so I mean, we'll 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 see it a little later where it's kind of advanced. But like the that's not a photo that was taken at the doctor's office. That is a <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's probably not even the same. I'm gonna spoil it here. It's probably not the same makeup application of the wound because the X is rotated slightly. Yeah, like. It's not in the same position. It doesn't have the same rotation. So they did the prop photo at a different time. I guess so. Yeah. Not good planning, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Look, props guys work very hard. There's a lot of demand. They actually did in this episode because they apparently built a lot of the uh, the actual sewer scenes were actually a set. Yeah. They built. So, yeah. So someone's probably like, get us a photo. And they're like, oh my God, another thing. Okay. We'll get this photo. Spent all this time on this damn costume and now you want a wound great oh wait what costume i don't know what we're talking about sorry go ahead (laughs) so scully laughs and she says it feels like old times for a moment and then she says that the fluke worms usually enter the body by ingestion of larvae or eggs so they don't go around attacking people and Mulder says that's good he didn't want to tell (laughs) so Mulder's like that's good i didn't want to tell skinner that the murder suspect is a giant blood-sucking worm and then Mulder says he doesn't know who Scully talked to, but he doesn't really want her launching a campaign for him. And so he tells her about the strange phone call he got, and Scully doesn't know anything about it. But she's like, I wouldn't betray your confidence. So that wasn't me. Hmm, if it wasn't someone that Scully talked to, who could it be? Dun, dun, dun. I know, I want to break out into a minute work song, but I'm not going to. So the sanitation worker is at home in his bathroom. And he's running a shower and brushing his teeth. And he's trying to get like, obviously he's got like that taste in his mouth again. And he's like, he's like brushing and then like putting more toothpaste on and brushing. And then he eventually squirts the entire tube of toothpaste into his mouth and starts munching down on it. Mm-hmm. And I literally gagged at that point. That is, that grossed me out so bad. And then he grabs a glass of water and he drinks some of it and he's swishing around his mouth and he spits it out. But then there's blood. That comes out actually like pink foam because like the toothpaste stuff and then the blood and he's like oh so then he gets in the shower and he's like taking a shower and then he starts kind of like like he's starting to dry heave a little bit and then blood comes up out of his mouth and then he goes and a fluke worm jumps out of his mouth and then goes down the drain bye-bye mm-hmm. so so apparently chris carter had to fight for the scene because fox thought it was too graphic to have him spit up a worm like that and Chris Carter basically insisted that it was necessary and the episode wouldn't work at all without it, which it is a pretty important. The scene. toothpaste eating was way grosser than the worm coming out. In my opinion, that just made me, Oh God, it was just so gross. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and apparently I am not the only one because James Wong also commented that the toothpaste scene was gross. Yeah. So, well, hey, he may have been referring to the scene in general, but he, I'm going to go that he was working with just the toothpaste. Look, if you have to agree with at least you can agree with one of them, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> James Wong uh, is on yep. your side. 
That is right. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, that's before, I think in the 90s, like, there were mouthwashes, but I don't think it was as popular as it is now. Like, I think Listerine. Oh, yeah, because is... Listerine goes back, like, I think Listerine goes back, like, to the. Oh, yeah. Listerine used to be, like, a floor cleaner or something. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. It started as, like, a floor yeah. cleaner. But, yeah, it's really, I think, I mean, it existed, but I don't think it was as popular as it is now. Or maybe I just didn't use it as much. I definitely use it all the time now. I did just get an email recently from my dentist that some anti-gingivitis mouthwash that I was given like two years ago had a recall and then if I still had it and I was supposed to dispose of it like cool then tell me why it was recalled I'm like okay but yeah so that's awesome yeah that's anyway mm. (laughs) (laughs) so we're at Newark County Sewage Processing Plant and the plant foreman Ray he is telling Mulder that the city runs on different systems and because it was built in different areas and that the place that Mulder was is one of the older sections that looks like a catacomb where the newer sections are mostly pipes that are no bigger than 24 inches. And at one point, this worker walk, is walking by and he's like, oh, the section you were in, some of these sections are like almost 100 years old, almost as old as Charlie. Isn't that right, Charlie? And Charlie's like, yeah, he's like walking by doing it. Poor Charlie. Like, <laughs> and like, I'm telling him he's old. So Mulder's like, have you ever seen something like this? And he pulls the worm in the jar out of his jacket. I'm not sure he had that in his jacket without it like bulging out. But anyway, and he asked Ray if he's ever seen one like that. And he's like, no, but there's no telling what's been breeding down in that sewer for the past hundred years. I did think it was funny when he was talking with Ray about it. Ray talks about the porcelain telephone. <laughs> he says that 560,000 people call him daily on the porcelain telephone. Yeah. Was I thought Ray funny. was a kind of a so. good character. Like he had a good sense of humor and he seemed he was personable. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah. Newark's population was about half that though, but this is like the Newark County. So probably like the larger area would be, that would explain 560,000 people. Yeah. Because the population in 1990 was actually about 275,000 just of Newark the city itself so and then we cut to charlie and he's walking on a catwalk and he's taking a break and smoking a cigarette and he hears like some water splash and so that's not normal you don't even don't hear like water splashing in big sewer tanks and so he goes to look and he sees something like in the water and he's like whoa so he runs and grabs a phone and he calls and he's talking to ray and Ray's like whoa charlie slow down and the next thing you see like ray and Mulder are running over to where he was and he's like, they're going to flush the system because I guess he locked up the, the area where he saw it so it couldn't transfer from one place to another. And then he runs back the pipe and the pipe, fortunately, is clear. So that's cool. And we see there's a humanoid like creature with a big skull X mouth and white skin. And it's all. Oh, pipe. yeah. So, yeah. Cool. It is. It is pretty gross. It's. <laughs> And the fluke man is played by Darren Morgan, who is Glenn Morgan's brother. Yeah, because the family resemblance is like on point. Oh, <laughs> yes. So Darren will later write several X-Files episodes, including Humbug, which is pretty popular, and Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, which stars Peter Boyle and is a pretty big yes, fan I favorite. read that he becomes one of the most bestest writers on the X-Files, surpassing even Glenn Morgan. Yeah. He's well, he's written a lot of like when I was looking at the list of episodes he wrote, they're like really popular ones, so that makes sense. Yeah. So Scully is researching flatworms on her computer. And she finds out that, like, usually these types of worms are no bigger than three centimeters in length, and they can be found in freshwater and seawater. 
they're hermaphroditic with complete reproductive systems, so they don't they don't need anything else to reproduce. And the size of the sanitation worker's wound precludes the involvement of a worm because it's just too big for any of these worms to have caused it. Mm-hmm. While she's working, someone slides a paper under her door. So she opens the door, looks around. There's no one in the hall. And she scours the newspaper, kind of goes through it. And she finds an article titled Monster on Board. <laughs> and it's got mm-hmm. a picture of a ship. And it's the ship we saw in the opening. And there's like a picture of a tattoo or something and she like pulls up a picture of the man's tattoo and she real well i think it, it she is able to match the, the tattoo to like the name of the ship or something and so well because it talks about that it's a russian ship right and so she's like oh and so she pulls up her computer file and does some cool and hands and hands and hands action on her autopsy photos and then sees that it's like cyrillic script is what the tattoo is so she's like oh yeah so she makes that connection and then Mulder calls and tells her that the fluke she found was the runt of the litter and we should clarify just so people know that like I watched the episode like a few hours ago, whereas you watched it like almost a month ago <laughs> because we had some we have some um, scheduling issues yeah. where we haven't we haven't it's been a month since we did the last episode. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I remember it, but I probably should. I didn't have time to watch it again. So, yeah. Whoops. Yeah, so sometimes a little if I if it feels like I'm always filling in the details for Tori, it's not because Tori doesn't pay attention. It's because I literally just watched. Yeah. It. So and I, I have notes here to remind me, but again, it's been a little while. So. Yeah. And I really want to talk about this news. Yes, please. Let's, under Scully's door. let's do it. So the paper that Scully gets is the National Comet. OK. And it's family entertainment based on actual stories is a little sub headline, which honestly, again, total missed opportunity. It could have been the Lone Gunman magazine. They slipped under her door. Oh, that would be cool. That would but be really I cool. guess they they do tend to focus more on like government conspiracy stuff rather than like wacky news. So I, I get it anyway. So on the cover of this, we have the banner headline that's all like, lose three pounds per day on a new diet plan. And then we have like, you know, the title of the magazine and all that kind of stuff. And then we have a picture that's like a picture of a person and a picture of another person. And one of those people is Princess Diana. And it's all Princess Diana spotted with a racquetball instructor. And for frame of reference, so this is obviously like in September of 94 is when this is taking place. And the royal divorce was July 15th of 1996. And then Princess Diana actually died on August 31st of 1997. So this is more of like an infidelity story and not like an Elvis sighting story of like, you know, Diana spotted. Okay. So So this is basically like a tabloid, like you used to be able to find in the supermarket. Yeah. It's like, it's the National Enquirer, basically. Yeah. Then we have this other headline, which is interesting because all you in capital letters, you can win the next lotto with these proven methods. Find out how in the National Star, page 23. But this is the National Comet, not the National Star. So someone wasn't proofreading their headlines unless they have a separate paper that you're supposed to buy to get the lotto techniques. I don't know. And then we have a 16th century portrait painting comes to life. And then we get another one that's all aliens fixed my teeth. Gifted <laughs> dentist exposes secret. Oh my God. Okay, you know what I want more than anything? It's for aliens to come down and while I'm sleeping, just fix my teeth. Because that would save me like, so much money. Like little, like little elves. <laughs> yeah, like dental alien elves. That's what I want. Yeah. That is magical and I love it. Yeah, elves do shoes and aliens can do teeth. Yeah. And then famous film director's head explodes. Doctor cites stress as cause. Chaos on set. Crew tries to pick up the pieces. Groan. Anyway, yeah. 
And then we get real life drama. And then I can't see all the words. So real life drama, dot, dot, dot. Monster on board. Sailors terrorized by unknown assailants. This is obviously a story we want to know, right? But also inside the paper, we do get to see a couple other stories. One is Nirvana Star's ashes are in this teddy bear. Now his widow and her new man even cuddle it in bed. Which is kind of gross on multiple levels. Like, yeah, that's, that's that's disturbing and also kind yeah. of. Mm. Yeah, what really grossed me out was like, and her new man. It's like, that's his widow and her new man. That's yeah, sexist. Anyway. Yeah. And then there's another one that's all Avon ladies brave. And then I can't. The word starts with a P, but I can't make out the word. Sell makeup in the Amazons. I'm guessing Avon ladies are like braving something to go sell makeup in the Amazon. So that's cool. And then right below the story about the ship that we are going to discuss in detail is demon car possessed car changes color after exorcism by priest possessed car shines brightly after exorcism and there's a picture of the car it's all white and then uh something a car is restored to its and of course they didn't proofread that because it's it with an apostrophe s instead of it should be just ITS because it's possessive. It's pristine white something after exorcism by local priests. So nice. a nice variety of stories. I bet the prop people just had a really good time doing this. <laughs> yeah. They needed to proofread though. Yeah. So, but now we get to the important story and we're going to get this story in whole. Oh my gosh. Aren't you all happy? Yay. Yeah. So monster on board exclamation point question mark. Bizarre accident on Russian cargo ship has officials suspicious. So this story, I should note, is written by George Lister, who was a special correspondent for the National Comment. So terrified is the only word to describe how the burly macho sailors felt on their last night aboard the Russian freighter. Their horror is hard to imagine as these normally fearless men witnessed their comrades' futile struggles as he was being dragged down to his certain death. Once again, truth is proven to be stranger than fiction. From the ship's log comes a story more like the stuff of marine legend than an account of an incident at sea in the 1990s. Modern day sea monster, a bloodthirsty creature from beneath the waves. Strange, but it's all true. And that's all in caps and it has like three exclamation points and it's bolded. So while off the coast of New Jersey, the shipmates of the as yet unnamed Russian cargo vessel experienced major plumbing problems. Every toilet on board backed up and began to overflow sewage back onto the various decks. The mess was considerable, the stench enough to make the most hardened sailor nauseous. Messy and inconvenient, yes, but no one had any idea that the predicament would soon turn deadly. And then we got a quote. It was like, how you say, routine operation, repairing toilets that cost me the life of a man from my ship. Captain Nicholas Sokolowski of the Ukraine was quoted as saying at a recent Maritime Safety Board hearing, people, you know, they say, you some kind of crazy guy. What? What? You talk about monster on board? It's true. Did it not happen on my ship? I myself would not believe, said the skipper, relating reactions to the fantastic account. Anyway, this magazine needs an editor. The typos <laughs> in this are atrocious. Officials have been tight-lipped about what happened to the missing seaman, but it's certain that he was killed on board and that the witnesses that saw him being pulled down into the murky sewage were all sober and reliable. 
His body or any remains have yet to be found, nor has the creature responsible for its death. Dun, dun, dun. And then we get a nice line drawing of the ship. Whoa, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they expected anyone to pay very close attention, so they probably didn't bother to proofread it. They just slapped it together. And yeah. That's awesome. So that's the riveting stuff Scully was reading. <laughs> hmm Yep. And so then we cut to Middlesex County Psychiatric Hospital. And Scully arrives and meets Mulder outside the cell where they're keeping the fluke man. So the creature's in a cell. He's like locked in. It, it looks like a general, like, I guess what you would see is like a TV prison cell. And he's like in the corner. And Which is kind of troubling because it's supposed to be like a sidetrack hospital. But it looks, it's, it's again, it's like Arkham Asylum is what it is. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And Mulder says the creature has no sex organs, and Scully says fluke worms are usually hermaphroditic. And Mulder says he'll have to tell Skinner the suspect is a giant blood-sucking worm after all. Scully tells him that John Doe was from a Russian cargo ship, and so she pulls out the photo of the tattoo, and she tells him about the newspaper under her door, and she's like, I guess you really do have a friend in the FBI. She also tells him that she'd consider it more than a professional loss if he decided to leave the FBI, so she doesn't want him to because she loves him too maybe yep the only reason why he doesn't want to quit the fbi is because he loves working with scully and she'd find it more than professional loss if he decided to leave it's like dude just agree that you guys love each other come on go on a date that's probably awkward if you work together anyway they're not working together they could totally do (laughs) it now boom problem solved um, so it is kind of weird they're keeping this fluke man in a cell and like this comes up in the next scene too but it's like I guess what else are you going to do with him but it's just it's weird because it's just such a he's like a cryptid sort of thing so it's just weird that like he's in like a jail cell like a murder yeah. suspect. Also a jail cell that has a spot where you can hide from view behind a bunch of pipes like that's probably not like good construction of cells if you're doing cells. Yeah. 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 Also, imagine like the guys who had to like walk this dude into that room and put him <laughs> in there. Like, yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Also, a good thing that Russian sailors tattoo their own names on their forearms because that's convenient, I have to say. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a requirement because like if you get lost at sea, we'll know it's you. I don't know. That's just, yeah. So Skinner is sitting at his desk reading Mulder's report and Mulder is like sitting right across the desk room, which is weird. It's like a, like, like he's like grading this homework right in front of him, like live while he's doing it, basically. It totally is. And so, and so Skinner's flipping through it and Mulder's, you can tell Mulder's antsy, right? He's like, oh, like, you know, cause basically, yeah, he's getting his homework graded and Skinner finishes and says, everything looks in order. And Mulder kind of like snorts. It's like, that's like a strange response given like what's in my report. And Skinner's like, they're working with a prosecutor to decide how to prosecute the fluke man. And that they want to send him to an institution for a full evaluation. And Mulder laughs and he's like, it's not a man. It's a monster. Like, you can't just treat him like a regular suspect. And Skinner tells him the suspect killed two people. And he's like, two? And then he tells him the sanitation worker was found dead in his bathroom as a result from his injuries. And so Mulder tells him he had two agents who could have handled cases like this, (laughs) but they closed the X-Files. And Skinner says, I know. This should have been an X-File. But then he says, we all take our orders from someone else, Agent Mulder. Yeah. I like it because I like that Skinner, like, he walks a fine line. Like, he's obviously not going to take any crap from Mulder, and he wants to keep Mulder in line. But I do think he's, like, a little little bit Team X-File. Like, a little bit. It's just hard to say. 
yeah, when they're talking about the content and he's talking about, you know, you know, we're working with prosecutors to charge this fluke man or whatever. And Mulder's like, what? And he's like, our meeting is about whether your report is like you're doing a good job filing reports, not about the content of the report. Like we'll handle the other stuff. Right. We're just making sure you're doing your job properly. So Yeah. This whole it's so weird. We'll talk about this more at the end, but like I just feel like it's so weird. <laughs> so, I mean, and then again, what are you what else are you gonna do? Like I'm just thinking of all these people and like our justice system is not even built to handle like real criminals really in a constructive way. Well, and there's that's the thing in this too. There are a lot of people who have had eyeballs on this creature. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, speaking of people with eyes on the creature, the fluke man is being wheeled. He's on a gurney and he's being wheeled into an ambulance. So I guess he's being sent off for testing. Mm-hmm. And the fluke man's restrained, but his mouth isn't. I keep, I say, I put, I was unsure about pronouns here. I'm just going to go with he. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's her mouth. Anyway. I'm, I mentioned that later. It's very weird because like everyone, like just the fandom and like the creators and all kinds of call him fluke man. And yet, multiple times in the episode, it is, like, repeated and also repeated interchangeably, which is also a problem, that the worms and the creature are both genderless and hermaphroditic. Right. And yet, we all say fluke man. We use he pronouns. It's, yeah, it's kind of strange. It is. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... I guess he can't really. Yeah, he's tell just us. like got a sheet over him, like a sheet over his body, and then it's like straps. That's all he's on this gurney. Yeah, like his head's all like. Whoa. So he's strapped down, but he's not like in any way restrained, really. No. And so the ambulance travels down the road, and the driver is driving, and he drivers driving, as drivers do. That's what drivers do. And he looks yeah. back in the rearview mirror, and he sees that the gurney's empty. And so he radios for immediate backup, and like pulls over to the side of the road, and he gets a shotgun out. And then he gets out of the front part of the van. And so this ambulance is like a prison ambulance, I guess, because I think it is separated. Yeah, it, it's from the sheriff's department. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's like a sheriff kind of So thing. it's yeah. separated. So like the back compartment is not connected to the cab of the, the thing. So the, nothing could have attacked him through it. So he gets out of the van and he heads around to the back. And this is where I'm like, why would you open the doors? Like, wait for backup. But he opens the doors and the fluke person, man, is nowhere to be seen. So then he goes into the van and touches the restraints, which are all wet with this slimy substance. And then the camera pans out to the front of the van and we hear the man scream and we hear a gun go off. And then we see the sign of where the ambulance is parked, which is Lake Betty, nature's playground, campsites available, live bait. That's what the sign says. Mm-hmm. Fishing every day. And then we see the creature go into a porta potty. Yeah, which I'm not... I get this part, but like one, like the porta potties are like totally like chemical, right? And so that would not be fantastic. Also, there's not a lot of room in porta potties for like a whole big full size creature to be like hiding under the toilet. It's not like they go underground. It's like everything you see above ground, that's the porta potty. So like you walk in, there's the seat, it's raised up, and then that area right there is where all the chemical stuff is. There's not a lot of room in there. Well, but. and there's a lake right there. Like, why wouldn't, why does he want to get back to the sewer? Why wouldn't he just go into the lake? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Because that's what I, I also wonder, like, if all the cosplayers bought up the Hannibal Lecter mouth guard. <laughs> like, why would not you have a mouth guard on this thing? I mean, seriously. Yeah, I so. don't know. Although the straps aren't 
broken. They're not like chewed through. Like he just like slipped through because he's all slimy. I don't understand. I still don't know where he was because we pan around the whole ambulance and they they do a shot of like under the cot and like you can kind of like is it supposed to have like really 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 tucked its way under there because like where was it? Like I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So, but yeah, why the dude wouldn't wait? I have no idea because yeah, just leave it. Like the doors didn't open. The doors didn't open at any point, as far as you know. Right. So, so if you went back there and saw the doors were locked, I'd be like, cool. I'd just get back in and wait for backup or stand outside and wait for backup. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Right? Like, With your gun in, in there. case it tries to get out or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. So then we're at Lake Betty Park and it's 527 in the morning. I have to say it's pretty light for 527 in the morning. There's like a lot of sunshine. Anyway, so there's a sewage truck and it arrives to pump out the porta potties where the uh, fluke boy just went in. <laughs> and so the worker opens the door and he pulls out the big tube off the truck and he puts it in the porta potty and turns it on has a cigarette while he's waiting and then all of a sudden it's like there's something stuck so he goes over and grabs the pipe and he starts shaking it shaking it shaking it and then it kind of like clears itself and then everything's cool yep and good and then we cut sort of again to lake betty park but now it's 6 37 and we're actually outside the park at the ambulance which is now a crime scene and police are there processing the scene and Mulder shows up. And as he's walking to the ambulance, he sees a septic truck driving down the road. So apparently it took like an hour to like do all the porta potties in the park. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So he walks over and agent Norman tells him the suspect is gone and that the sheriff obviously is dead. And so Mulder's like, well, you know, have all your people watch the storm drains. It's going to definitely try and get back underground. And while he's talking, his phone rings. And it's that mysterious caller again. And he tells Mulder that his success in this case is imperative. And Mulder's like, who is this? Who is this? And he's like, the reinstatement of the X-Files must be undeniable. And he hangs up. And meanwhile, someone is called Agent Norman and tells him that the dogs tracked the scent of the suspect to one of the chemical toilets at the campground. And suddenly it clicks in Mulder. And he's like, oh, my God, he was probably in that tank. So we got to find the tank. Boom. Boom. So then we go to Newark County Sewage Processing Plant and it's 8.15 a.m. And Ray tells Mulder that the company that operates the truck he saw doesn't keep detailed records. It's possible that driver has already been there to dump his load, but if he hasn't, he will be. It's state law that all waste is processed through this one plant. And there's an outlet pipe with filters and screens and nothing bigger than a little finger can get through. So if this thing is in there, or if it gets put in there, it's trapped there, basically. Yeah, because once it's all processed, it goes out to the ocean, like five miles out or something. Right. Like it says. So I do wonder if they don't keep detailed records, but it's a state law for them to dump at that location. How do they prove that they dump there if they don't have the detailed records? But Yeah. I wonder if it just means like schedule. I don't know. Like schedules. Like they just well, you need to keep track of like, oh, this truck picked up this stuff and then we dumped, right? You do have like the truck number, if not the time at least. Right. So. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not great. So Mulder walks over the walkways that run across the wastewater and he's looking for signs of anything below and Ray and other sanitation workers are all doing this. So they're kind of fanned out to like look into the water to see if anything strange happens and his phone. Because everybody knows about this creature, yeah, which I mean, it's, again, I have to point out, 
it's yeah it's not like this is some hidden thing that only a couple people know about yeah well it's definitely not i don't know what other people think it is but it's not a secret for sure (laughs) no so his phone rings and it's scully and she realizes the worm inside the dead man was actually a larvae and she thinks the creature is looking for hosts so it transmits this larvae through its bite and if it finds more hosts it can multiply and then ray yells over that someone found something in a pipe so Ray shows him on the map where this thing was found and it's kind of near where the first body was found. So it's an overflow area that goes into the Harbor when there's heavy rainfall. So they decide like this guy's trying to get out to the Harbor. So Mulder and Ray go into the sewer and they climb down into the sewer and examine the water with flashlights looking for signs of the creature. Yeah. No rubber boots this time though. Just going right in with the good shoes and the good pants and. Hmm. Yep. And Ray points out the overflow pipe that leads to a room like the one they're in. And then after you get to that, it's like less than a mile to the sea. So Ray tries to close the gate so the thing can't get into that overflow pipe. But the lever's rusted into position. So Ray keeps tugging at it and he slips and he falls into the water. And he's all right. And Mulder's like, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. And then something tugs at him and he's like dragged under the water. And yeah, he lost his glasses. That's what he's upset about. He's like, I lost my glasses. Yeah. And then Ray pops back up and Mulder tries to pull him out, but then something tugs him back. And so Mulder gets in the water and searches for Ray and Ray pops up again and Mulder grabs him and pulls him against the wall. And like, I think there's something he can hold on to while he's like holding him and they see the creature crawling into the overflow pipe. So Mulder goes over and pulls the lever and the gate comes down and it cuts the creature in half. Yep. So the back half of it is with Mulder and Ray. Yeah. Yep. Which, like, when I first saw this, I was like, can't a lot of worms survive if you cut them in half? Yeah. And they also regenerate. And so you have two worms, mm. which is cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So now it's nighttime. And I don't know if it's been like a day or if it's been two. We don't know. There's no timestamp. We only know it's outside the Jefferson Monument because Tori knows what the Jefferson Monument looks like. Yep. I've I don't. been there twice. So, yeah. And there's Mulder's on a bench, and Scully asks if the seat next to him is taken, and he warns her that he might smell like the sewer. But, you know, she says, well, that's okay, I'll take my, you know. And so she asks if he spoke to Skinner, and he quotes the man who called him and says that it's imperative that the reinstatement of the X-Files is undeniable. And she's kind of like, okay. But then so Scully does an examination of the larvae and says that it's due to radiation the, the worm can actually grow into a humanoid fluke worm. So apparently just by like studying it, she realizes it can grow into a uh, human. And she says, nature didn't make this thing. We did. And then she hands him a bunch of photos and Mulder's like, I recognize these. And she's like, yeah, they're from Chernobyl. And apparently the creature came from the Russian freighter and that freighter had been used to dispose of toxic materials from Chernobyl. And Mulder's like, you often hear about three species disappear off the planet every day, but you have to wonder how many new ones are being created. Yeah. It's not like Russians were dumping toxic waste off the coast of New Jersey. Really? Like what? So I think, I think it had been used previously to dispose of waste and maybe isn't anymore, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Also, I have to say, and we're not going to find out. I know there's still one more little set piece that we're going to talk about here, but what about Ray? <laughs> What about Ray? Like when Mulder pulls him up, he's like holding his back. Like he may have got fluked. And so what about Ray? So well, it turns out that apparently he's okay. I find out later oh. whether that's like canon or not, that he didn't get fluked. He just got like possibly scratched or something. He didn't get bit. But that's not in the episode. No. Oh, where'd you find that out? 
it's in one of the books that will be referenced in the uh, show notes. Okay, cool. Yeah, it is in the X-Files official archives, Cryptids, Biological Anomalies, and Parapsychic Phenomena, which is the one that has like where it's the book is like contrived to be like all the old X-Files right. kind of thing. and has like photos and that kind of stuff. So the little notes and the addendum notes is that Ray was actually okay. Well, that's good. There's even a quote from him talking about that. He's super happy that nothing happened because he was really upset because he lost his glasses. <laughs> and, but after hearing about what happened to the other guy, he's really lucky about not getting. Not getting bit. a parasite so. that kills you and uses you as a host. Yeah. 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 So then we're in Newark, New Jersey, and down in the sewer, kind of near where the first sanitation worker was attacked, we see the half, it's like the head half of the fluke man, and it's like in the water, and all of a sudden, its eyes open. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I think we're supposed to assume it's the the half that got cut off. We don't actually see, because we never see, like, the cutoff part. It's just the shot we get right. is, like, from the upper chest up, and basically it's like a, like a head shot. So I think we're supposed to assume that it's, like, missing its lower section. Yeah, or, but it could be, like, by now. A, I don't know. a different fluke worm from someone else he infected. Who it knows? Could. It could be the one that What's-His-Face spit out into the dream. Yeah. Because that's not exactly contained, that whole situation. Anyway, it's fine. We don't need to think about it. (laughs) Don't think about it. It's fine. Yeah. Also, don't think about the fact that, aside from the fact that I'm not sure the fluke man could, like, really be in the porta potty without you noticing when you go in there. But if you didn't notice, and then you sat down on the porta potty, where was the fluke man going to bite you? Well, I don't think it was going to bite. I think it was trying to get back to the sewer system. Well, I mean, this whole thing, I mean, if it's actually like a creature, right, it's trying to disperse its eggs. So that's how it does it. It does it by biting people. It's going to bite you on the ass. So just saying, yeah, be sitting there. And uh, mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. So one thing I just I thought was interesting is like. (laughs) So in Jersey Devil, we have this woman who is incredibly human and really has nothing cryptid about her, who is treated like a monster and hunted like a dog. And I realized those are different authorities. And, you know, obviously Mulder did not treat her that way. But I just thought it was interesting that in this one, the fluke man is visibly cryptid or, you know, not, he's something else. And yet he is treated like a human suspect in every way. No one tries to treat him like anything. The government doesn't take him to a lab to try and figure out what he is. He's just treated like a normal murderer. I just thought that was really weird. So I just yeah. wanted to point out the dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not as sexy as a Jersey Devil. No, because, mm, no. Bigfoot boobs. Unless you're into yes. that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like we said, you know, if you're into, you know, people who look like glenn morgan that's cool but if not then um yeah and then apparently chris carter's inspiration for this episode was his dog getting worms and then also reading a lot about chernobyl and the after effects yeah so i read another grosser story about his inspiration for this episode Mm. and so i am going to recite it okay for you i'm not going to recite it because i don't have it in front of me but i'm just gonna i'm gonna paraphrase his story is that he wanted to kind of create a story that was similar to something he had heard as a child and this is the story so it's like an urban legend kind of story about a man who would go and climb into porta potties and hide inside so that when women came in and did their stuff they would do it on him 
and he enjoyed that. Ew. And so it was like some like fetish kind of thing okay. going on. But that's so that's the story that that I got from. I mean, not to kink shame, but that's not consensual <laughs> at all. No, and also that's like, man, you heard that story as like, like what? Where did you live, dude? Where like those are the kind of stories that like the urban legends that kids are getting. I mean, I, there's other urban legends that are, I guess, probably as bad, but that was just weird. I mean, I've heard urban legends um, of like snakes or stuff being in the toilet or the outhouse or something or the porta potty. Yeah, or the al- you know the alligator in the sewer, yeah. which would be and this is kind of like this is this kind of plays on that right? right, the whole alligator in the sewer thing. But yeah, but yeah, the uh, the creepoid getting people to urinate and defecate on them because you got off on that um, is strange as an urban legend, but yeah. 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 I don't know. I feel like Chris Carter always has like a lot of different, whenever it's like, what inspired you? He always lists like 10 things and you're like, that's why your episodes are like this, Chris. That's why well, they're also, like this. I mean, we also have to realize, like, you know, how many times has he interviewed? That's true. Like, do you want to tell the same story? I mean, some people do. Like, they just, like, they get the story down, and it's just, like, they're reading the script when they're telling you the story, right? And you're like, why do people keep asking? Like, a hundred people have asked him this. Why do you ask him it? It's because you have to. So, I mean, it may be like, I'm just I'm going to say something different. Whether it's, I mean, who knows if it's true or not? Who knows if any of it's true? Right. Just, like, you're saying stuff for an interview. Right. So. Well, and, you know, like where do your ideas come from writers don't know that most of the time most of the time it's like i don't know i thought of this thing and i did it like it's not like you usually have a specific thing but anyway yep so i don't know i the one thing that really sticks with me this episode is just like what were they gonna do give this like drag this guy into a courtroom (laughs) yeah it is really weird that they don't yeah like because you're like especially yeah i mean like the whole we just like, yeah, they, they put him in a cell like it like like you know like tombs or something right it's like basically it's that kind of room it's like there's a bed there's like a toilet you're looking at him through a door with a hole you know a window in the in the door so you can look in because at first Scully can't see him and it's all they have all the lights turned off which is like what kind of place is this where like you have all the lights turned off and it's all dank and gross and like, oh man, we need to really think about our mental health facilities in the X-Files because they're all not good. No, they're so, very, very bad and they should not be yeah. that way. Yeah. But yeah, no one's like, yeah, this dude, I mean, he has, he's naked, has no organs. His skin is like, like there's like open pockets of his skin everywhere. And it's just, yeah. It's like, but yeah, it's like paper yeah, white, him, paper white. Put like, him in the, put him in the psych ward. Boom. Yeah, that's where he goes. Like, it's just so weird. So I don't know. I think because they're trying to push this idea that like, and I think it's on purpose. Like, I think they're trying to push this idea that obviously this is not a normal suspect. This should be an X-File. This should be handled differently. But we don't, for whatever reason, the government that has all these secret labs where they can like put gunk in you and just shoot you up with Zydrate or whatever. Like, we can't use those for this guy. We got to stick him in a cell. <laughs> Really yeah, weird. and why wouldn't they? And why wouldn't they be interested? Why wouldn't this guy have like disappeared, right? For like them to like do like studies on, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's what you would think. So I think it is trying to. And we and again we keep saying guy, man. Yeah, I know it's a genderless yeah. fluke thing, but yeah. like, and I'm I just, he, you know, he's not around to tell. Like this thing cannot tell us its pronouns, so we don't know what they are. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't identify with pronouns because it's not human. It's like it's a cryptid thing. And they make that so clear, but then it does. And I'm not saying it can't be intelligent. Cryptids can be very intelligent. Bigfoot is a very smart person. 
it obviously <laughs> knows the entire sewer system because it knows exactly where it needs to go. Yeah. So it's got and some intelligence. Back to the same spot. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. So, and I think that is like on purpose. I think they are trying to hammer home that, like, obviously it's ridiculous to have this guy in a cell. Obviously, we can't put this guy in a suit. <laughs> we need the x-files because if we had x-files we would have an entire infrastructure to handle right and so that's the point but it's it's just just so weird because you're like what are you this doesn't make any sense at all yeah (sighs) oh you know and there's one thing i noticed too that we did we neglected to mention in the previous episode but Mulder doesn't get to have his little basement office anymore he's just like a desk in like the main open area now we saw that last episode where he went and sat at his desk. It's just like in the main open like FBI area. He doesn't have his cool basement office anymore. And they took that away too, apparently. Oh man, no wonder he's I mean, that's just another slap in the face. All his stuff is there. Yeah. Oh. Poor Mulder. Well, someone, his friend in the FBI, uh, is clearly trying to make that different. So that's good. Someone's yeah. working to get the X Files back. We just don't know who. I mean, I do because I've seen the show before, but. Yeah, and I kind of do because I've seen a few things and I recognize that voice. So I have this guy's trading card. (laughs) Which is why I know that that's not the same person in the first scene because not to. I might as well just like it's a white dude's hand in the first scene. Is it? In the second, it is. In the you see a little bit of his wrist when he's behind when he turns in the chair. You see a little bit of his wrist, and it's it's a white dude. Oh. But in the second scene, the way it's lit, it's really hard to tell. But it does look like they actually use like a black person's hand in the second one. So whether it's actually that actor or they just got someone else to do it, because maybe they need to show the hand and say so like, oh, we need to make sure this matches. I don't know if they brought the guy in and just do the voice. They may have, you know they could have done that remotely. Or yeah. Whatever. So why would you pay to have someone come all the way to Vancouver just to do a voice? Yeah, I don't think he so. shows up physically for a while. I don't know when. But. No, but I think but I think in the first one, they probably just shot it with whoever was there. It's like, oh, no one's going to see. But at the very top of the screen, when he rotates in, you can see his wrist and his wrist is white. Oh, hmm. good yeah. catch. Yeah, I'm on it, man. Boom. Got the whole paper. <laughs> I know. Not I the like the paper, paper. But yeah, that was fun. And again, if there are any aliens who want to do free dental work, I'm totally down, please. It was interesting. Scully reads the paper backwards. Huh. When she's flipping through it, she's flipping through it backwards. She's not like, I don't know why you wouldn't start from the beginning. Yeah, just maybe she just, forward, but. you know, she knows whatever she needs to know. Maybe she's looking for like a note in the pages or something. So she's not really worried oh, about it. And then she yeah, sees the maybe, article. I don't, know. I don't know. Possibly. So oh. I think it's that time. It is. And this, is what, this one is hard. Cause like, I feel like it's an enjoyable episode, but then like, and like, I don't think that like, I mean, it's on purpose. The The weird reaction to this guy is on purpose. And so, like, I get it. I just think it's weird. But this episode didn't... Like, it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I liked Ray. I like Mulder and Scully. I like the friend in the FBI. I like Skinner in this episode a lot. I think Skinner. They could have concluded... They treated Ray like a pet in this one. Like, they didn't tell us what happened to him at the end. I, yeah, I kind of wish that they would have mentioned, like, while they were sitting there, you know on the park bench just said oh and race yeah like he's like the, yeah like even just like not even if they do his name like 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 you know the, the you know the the guy at the sewer like he's gonna recover yeah so that's good and then like all you need to say is like he's gonna recover but also and like thankfully- we've seen at least one worm go into the sewer anyway plus we know that the other fluke thing is awake so like that situation is not contained in any way <laughs> yeah well and also now that they know what it is could they have treated him so he wouldn't have died? Maybe. Like, is the fact that the other guy died because it had been feeding on his liver, and once it was gone, it was like, I'm done with you, and so he just died? Or is it because his wound became so, like, 
infected and nasty that like just infested being like up there in the torso like it just infected like his heart and his lungs and he died like why what 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 caused him to die we don't know yeah and so now that they know what it is could they have treated ray if he had gotten maybe fluke like pulled it out or, or whatever before it yeah. could do any damage possibly yeah so yeah but we don't get any of that so but apparently like i said it's been sort of i guess you could say like fanfic retconned whatever that he was okay he didn't get actually bitten so yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to... Mm, mm, mm. I think I'm going to give it a... Oh, God. <laughs> so hard. I'm going to give it a, a six. A six. A six. Yeah. Okay. Because I think it's good. Ex- I mean, it's it's got issues, but like overall, it's not the worst episode. So, so Little Green Men is better than this one. Yes. Okay. But I like scruffy, confused Mulder, and I like the idea that he might not be seeing reality all the time. So, like, that's my own little. Okay. You're not a fan of sloppy noodles everywhere. <laughs> I'm not a fan of gross Mulder. Come on, Mulder. I know you're a bachelor, but clean up after yourself, buddy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it's still your workplace, dude. Other people got to be there. Like, yeah. keep But I do like Mulder and gross. Scully a lot in this episode. I like Skinner, and I think it. It works fine. It's just, it leaves you with a lot of questions. <laughs> okay. So I think I'm, hmm, I'm going to go, I, w- I went back and looked at my season one numbers. Cause I was like, okay, what have I rated? Cause I, I had an idea of what I wanted to give it. And so like, okay, so like in that range, what episodes kind of did that? And so I was looking at it and one, I'm kind of like, oh, I think I should have actually rated that one higher. There's one that I probably should have adjusted more. Now that I go back and look at it. But I'm not going to. But looking at the other episodes that I rated in that range, I am going to give the host a seven. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, it had it had issues, but it was it was a good, enjoyable watch. Yeah, and so like that's what I think a t- television episode should be, right? It was a good, enjoyable watch. I don't think that if this was your only episode you had seen, you would be you wouldn't know what was going on. Like at start, at, at, maybe at first you'd be like, what's like, what's going on with like Mulder and Scully. And, but you, I think you get enough of what's going on through the dialogue that you would figure out what's going on. Oh, they work together and their department got shut down or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any of that stuff. Like if, if I haven't seen episodes, you know, one through 24 in last episode, I don't know what's going on. I think this is a good standalone. Like you can just watch it and be like, Oh, this is, you know, enjoyable. Yeah. Whatever. So I'm going to go with a seven. Nice. So Cool. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode three. Season two. Blood. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And try to figure out if the The truth truth is is still still out there. there.
Yeah, I can't believe they use the name Blood and it's not about vampires. Anyway, we'll talk about that tomorrow. I know. It's my whole thing. Man. It's my whole thing. <laughs> Some hard-hitting vampire journalism coming up. <laughs> you know what's terrible is I realize the two vampires, none of them really do journalism. Because, like, one of them gives it up to be a vampire and then the other one... I say the other one's like, he's like, he's just like a talk radio show. And the guy. other one just, like, has, one like, just has, like, a talk, talk radio. He basically has a podcast and that's the other guy. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Like, there, there aren't really yeah. any practicing journalist vampires, but there should be. And I'm going to make that happen someday. Yeah, because what was that... Um, does LaCroix take callers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he does. Okay, so he's basically doing he's basically doing midnight callers. What he's yeah, doing? Do so. you remember that TV show, Midnight Caller? Yeah. And like yeah. he just uses and like all his stuff is like passive aggressive at Nick, and Nick's always listening to it, and he's always just like trying to passive aggressive at him, and he's like, "Hey, you should be evil or whatever," and it's just like this. <laughs> oh my god, I love that show so much. <laughs> I haven't seen it in forever. I just loved it. It's ridiculous. Oh. It's so bad. I actually, I I prefer, again, I prefer the TV movie. Yeah, I bet the TV so. movie is great. Like you said, it's pretty much the pilot. I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway.